first things first. First things first. Jesus' teaching on the vine is about first things first. Notice it is not first and foremost about fruitfulness. That is really the end of the story. In fact, many of us get started off on the wrong trajectory right from the beginning because we, we think, I need to be more fruitful in my life. I need to try harder. I need to be more good. I need to be better. I need to do this or that. And we get ourselves in a very legalistic kind of mode of uh, oughts and shoulds. That is the wrong way to keep first things first. And it is the wrong way to be fruitful. If you try to be fruitful that way, one of two things will happen. Either you will fail trying to be fruitful yet again, or if you succeed, you'll be doing things for the wrong reason. You'll be doing things to get credit or to get points or to get recognition or to get attention, but you'll be doing it for the wrong reason. So it's not, uh, your, your end in mind is potentially correct, but your means for getting there are completely askew. That's not my opinion. That is what Jesus says. It's what St. Paul says. It's what the Bible says. In fact, Jesus says in that vine story this morning, he says, do three things. Abide in me. Abide in my word. Abide in my love. That's in the ninth verse, and we didn't hear that read this morning, but if you were to go back and look at it, you would see all three of those encouragements. In other words, if you want to have a fruitful life, and Jesus says that is the goal and trajectory that God has in mind for you, is to be fruitful, to bear fruit that will last. And what he's talking about is not how many mansions or automobiles or boats you'll have in terms of being fruitful. What he's talking about is fruitful in your relationships. Your relationship with God himself through and in Jesus. Your relationship with other people in the name of Jesus and by his love. And your relationship with yourself. To love yourself, to mend yourself by his grace, to become more a whole person. That is fruitfulness in those three spheres. To God with others and for yourself, three great journeys that we all make, and all of them are essential journeys, not two out of three, but all three. So isn't it interesting that even back in January, when we began, actually in December, with first things first commitment cards, it was about uh, financial commitments, putting God first, but we carried that over into covenant month in January with that theme of first things first. And um, we, um, on that cover, I've got the wrong one here. I want to find my January 2012. We encouraged everybody to uh, work on a 2012 first things first kind of task, um, how you might grow closer to the Lord Jesus or work on your relationships with you or others. And um, at the top of the 2012 Covenant Sunday News was, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. You see, fruit is the byproduct of a whole life cultivated by a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Just as fruit is the p- final product of the tree 
the apple tree or the peach tree or whatever tree that has been planted and this, uh, has been nourished and nurtured by sun and fertilizer in the soil and by loving pruning and care. And finally, in due season, the fruit is borne out. And Jesus says, for your life as well, do you want to be fruitful? Start here. Start with me. You are the branches. I am the vine. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. You can't do anything apart from me. We're in the second week of our sermon series. And Bishop Lawrence very wonderfully and beautifully articulated the supremacy of Christ Jesus a week ago and took us through chapter 1. And he invited you and I invite you again this morning to, to read Colossians week to week as we're in this four-week window of looking at Colossians. It's a very short letter, uh, only four chapters, and uh, each week we'll hear from one of those chapters as we hear in week two today in the second chapter of Colossians. And let's hear a little bit about what is said here. These are Christians. These are Christians in a small town in Turkey, just like we are Christians in a small town in South Carolina, in the South. And these are Christians who have gotten sidetracked, distracted, waylaid. And so Paul is writing a letter to a community that he has never met them before, but he knows folks from that community, and he understands that they have gotten waylaid. And they have lost the mission of first things first. So he will say things like this. He will say, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition. We don't know exactly what that was, the issues were that day, but what we do know is that this was a Jesus plus. Yes, know Jesus, and do some other things to get your life right with God. Later in this same passage, he raises other questions. He says, worship of angels? Worship of angels? This is not about belief in angels, but something mysterious and funny going on about the worship of angels that's mentioned here. And in the 20th verse, he says as well, since you have died to the, with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do, it, to it, do you submit to its rules? Don't handle, don't touch taste, don't touch. These are all destined to perish. Some kind of religious asceticism of uh, withdrawal from the world, but something that cut them completely on the wrong track. And so Paul is saying, brothers, sisters in Colossus, to believers everywhere, if this ever happens to you, if you're in the 21st century and this happens to you, if you're in a small town in the south in South Carolina called Somerville and this happens to you, Bring it back to first things first. Earlier in this letter, in the first chapter, interesting that Paul writes of this. He says, I've been praying for you all. And he says, and we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, that you may have endurance and patience and joyful thanks because you have qualified for the inheritance simply because of your relationship with the Lord Jesus. 
You remember Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verse? It fits here as well. I have it hidden somewhere. Maybe it's on the screen too. Yeah. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Do not, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. There's all kinds of stuff out there that wishes to attract you, seduce you, that even wants you to mix with your own kind of religion and give it a kind of your own designer Jesus kind of religion. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that transformation takes place in relationship with the person of Jesus as your mind and your heart becomes more and more Christ-like itself. I've always enjoyed, as you know, Eugene Peterson and his contemporary uh, kind of dis, uh, wording sometimes of the New Testament. And uh, he says this, he writes this, translates this, the 12th chapter of Romans. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture, no longer conforming to this culture. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of maturity, God brings out the best in you. Develops well-formed maturity in you. Do you see how important first things first is? Do not conform any longer to this world but be transformed by your love, your relationship, your journey with Christ Jesus himself. First things first in 2012. And what we have here this morning to consider after Bishop Lawrence pointed us towards Jesus himself is consider your disciple life. Consider your life as a disciple as your first order of business, if you will, as you live out your ordinary, everyday kind of life as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. This second chapter of Colossians, the other side of the story. Verse 6, just so then, Paul writes, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord... I hope you have, or I hope you're working on that, or I hope you're about ready to, or I hope you've come here to seek out the Lord Jesus. Continue, go on living in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. He's describing the life of a disciple. He says in the 10th verse, You have been given fullness in Christ, fullness for your life, 
with the intended trajectory, of course, of fruitfulness for your life. And he reminds us he is the head over every power and authority. He has this wonderful image of circumcision in the verse, 11th verse. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, with a circumcision done by Christ. He's saying that not only do we commit sins, but we have a part of us that is sin. And it is because we have a part of us that is sin that we commit sins. And yes, we need forgiveness for our sins, but we also need to put to death that which is within us that is sin. Paul calls it the flesh. He means by that the sinful nature, as the NIV translates translates it. So verse 11, In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. He's saying there is something that has to be cut off of our hearts. It must be removed, and it's called the sinful nature. That's the good news, is that Jesus will do that for us. The pruning, as he describes, of the necessary life of the, of the tree that must be pruned. The bad news is that that cutting off of the sinful nature is a lifelong process. But more and more and more, it is removed and cut off as more and more and more the Holy Spirit increases and His own Spirit transplants, or I'm sorry, displaces more and more of the sinful nature. And all of a sudden, shazam, there is more fruitfulness in your life. Fruitfulness in your relationship with the Lord. Fruitfulness in your relationship with others. Fruitfulness in your relationship with yourself. So we're here at the midpoint reminding one another, encouraging one another is not only to put first things first in 2012, stones of remembrance, vines remind us to grow in Christ in 2012, but also to keep first things first in 2012. We've got further to go, miles to go before we sleep. And so, a reminder and an encouragement. What did you put on your covenant sheet and did you add it to your refrigerator or maybe it's on your bureau or maybe it's tucked in your bible or or in a prayer journal it's time to bring it out and say okay my life as this disciple how am I doing so far am I keeping first things first as a disciple as I intended to a little checkup and yet it's not a grade it's simply taking a look and he said Not I need to try harder if I haven't done what I intended to do. I need to get closer to Jesus. And he will produce this in me. First things first in 2012. Maybe you weren't here in January and December. Maybe this is all unfamiliar to you. Or maybe you were here but didn't accomplish that task then but want to for the rest of the year. Let me offer you a thought If there's nothing else you want to put on your plate as an agenda, we'll go back a few weeks ago and put this back on the front burner again to remember the the essential life of the disciple revolves around three tasks or three disciplines or three spiritual habits. 
You can't have a good football team, that's what was said a few weeks ago or a month or two ago, without a good defense and a good offense and a good special teams. You can't do two out of three or one out of three to be a really superior football team. You need all three. And as a disciple, there are three spiritual habits to weave into your life as first things first. W.sg.qt.org. It's one way to remember it. W.sg.qt.org. Worship. Bless you for being here this morning is probably what the Lord Jesus is saying. It makes his heart glad to meet you here at the communion rail in a few minutes in the breaking of the bread and the shared cup. To meet him here in the word as it's been read and preached. To meet him here in the gathering of fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Worship, essential, week to week as a spiritual habit, first things first. And secondly, SG, a small group. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. I have heard innumerable stories in this very community I have experienced them myself of the grace and blessing and power of a group of Christians gathered together week to week in a small group, three, six, eight, with a Bible open, with prayer said, fellow travelers on the journey. It is for extroverts and for introverts. I know that as an introvert, but I also know that small group is an essential part of the disciples' relationship with the Lord Jesus. He did it himself. He gathered 12 around him to walk close beside him. He gathered three others, Peter, James, and John, to be in an even closer walk with him because of the grace and power of small groups that he knew. And QT, quiet time. I would argue with one. I'm tempted myself, and I have this on my 2012 First Things First covenant, is to be more disciplined about daily quiet time. I'm not talking about when I go for a walk in the quiet of the morning, although that's great quiet time with the Lord. That might work for you. Um, But I'm not convinced that's the kind of quiet time that we need fundamentally. It's not about driving to work and in the commute to have Christian music on, although that's a great thing to do and a good thing to do. That's not the quiet time I'm talking about. I'm talking about Psalm 46, verse 10 kind of quiet time. When uh, When the psalmist says, Be still. And know that I am God. Be still. And see, I believe for my life that excludes the walking, the driving, the everything. Although those are all good things to do. And it's simply to sit and be still with perhaps a Bible in my lap. Or perhaps my prayer journal in my lap. Or perhaps one after the other and be still. It may only be a few minutes of the day or it may be an extended time, but the richness and value for the disciple who wants first things first of a daily time of stillness with the Lord. W.sg.qtworship.smallgroup.quiettime.orgs Let the org be, this is how I organize the whole of my life so that I can be a branch attached to the vine, as Jesus has said, so that in my closer and closer and closer relationship with the Lord Jesus, I will begin to see, or others will begin to comment that they are seeing fruitfulness in my life. 
as I live it out in relationship with others. Keeping first things first. Stones of remembrance from January of 2012. The vine, an invitation to grow in Christ. And this is about making choices. Not being distracted, conforming to the world, but being transformed by our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And being expectant that God will change us. And he'll change us for the better. Cutting off the old sin nature, giving more and more of his spirit for our lives, encouraging us, filling us, directing us. Chapter 2, Paul's letter to the church in Coloss and the church in Somerville. Next week, chapter 3, try reading the whole thing for these four weeks. Each week, it won't take you long. Chapter 1 through chapter 4, and let those words abide in you. Jesus says in John's gospel, abide in me, abide in my word, abide in my love. And when you do, you will be very fruitful in how you live. Amen.